from the visionary minds of the guys who brought you the hit series, Reboot, comes movies we were way too young to see. A podcast series that is exactly what it sounds like. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special two-part edition of Movies We Were Way Too Young to See, a look at some of the most influential films we grew up watching, regardless of parental approval. Part 1, Saving Private Ryan, the Omaha Beach Scene. I am your co-host, Mowgli, and sitting next to me, as always, the man, the myth, the mouth. Welcome back, everybody. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. Yes, a bit of a somber mood today. That is because... It is D-Day, June 6th. Remember this day in American history, in global history, the storming of the Normandy beaches. A lot of people lost their lives that day. We just wanted to show our respect to those that have fallen. And to do that, we're going to present one of the greatest war movies ever made, Saving Private Ryan. That's why we finally decided to do a two-part episode. We always feel when we do serious movies, we start talking like, way too much we get way in depth and we finally decided you know what let's just focus on one scene and just explain how that scene does everything the whole movie does you know influence us influence other filmmakers how important this scene is in the whole frame of the movie itself it's still considered one of the greatest world war ii films depicted on screen yes Mm -hmm. so that scene specifically is how the movie starts off. That's how the movie literally hooks you. This opening, what, 25, 26-minute scene? Yep. 22. I, I ranked it at 22 of, like, the all the action. But, yeah, that's where it all contains. Usually that's your first act. And what a first act it was. Yes. So before we jump into that just a little bit, we are discussing the 1998 World War II drama epic Saving Private Ryan. This was written by a gentleman named Robert Rodat. It was directed... By Steven Spielberg. And I also wanted to give a shout out to the Oscar winners. They all deserve that as well. The best director, Steven Spielberg. Best film editing, Michael Kahn. For best sound, we had Gary Rydstorm, Gary Summers, Andy Nelson, Ron Judkins. And personally, I feel like this was the coolest award to win that year was best cinematography. That went to a gentleman named Janusz Kaminski, yes? Yep, and we're going to talk about him a little bit more once we get him in depth. But yeah, he did a great job on this film. So side quest real quick. I went to the Panavision little tour when I was in school, and they gave us a little bit of behind-the-scenes trivia of how him and Spielberg were looking for the, the grain and the aesthetic for that film. So they took a couple of lenses. They were literally grinding them together just to make that. that oh like, my God, like, and you know how expensive those lenses are? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, <laughs> I, I know. just to do that. We had to sign a waiver. <laughs> no, just kidding. We didn't have to, but we probably should have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the attention to detail that Janus and Steven and all whole team behind all that stuff, congratulations. We're still talking about you guys. All right, the cast and crew. It's a major one. This is a huge cast. Whoa. So insane. Just to name a few, Giovanni Ribisi, Adam Goldberg, Edward Burns, Tom Sizemore, Vin Diesel, 
some guy named Tom Hanks and Jimmy Kimmel's arch nemesis, Matt Damon. Right? Like, that's such a solid cast. And there's way more people that we forgot. You know, I think Paul Giamatti. You know, there's just, oh, so many other people. But one thing I wanted to ask you, and we were talking a little bit before air. We didn't even, I didn't even get your answer, really, like, all the way. But during the same time, 1998, there was another war movie also premiered. Oh, I know. A yeah, Thin Red Line, Thin right? Thin Red Line by Terrence Malick. And... Uh, if you guys don't know, that also has a great ensemble. And that's why I wanted to ask you which war movie had the best cast. And I'll give you guys a little bit of rundown for the Thin Red Line. Like one of the majors, Adrian Brody, Sean Penn, Jim Caviezel, Woody Harrelson, Mel Gibson. Like there's so many people. John C. Riley, just George random. Clooney. Like, come on. So who, who do you, which cast do you think was the best? Oh, man, that's like, such a tough one. But if I'm going to have to go with the final product, I'm going to go Saving Private Ryan. There was so much film that Terrence Malick shot. He literally shot, like, I don't know, four different movies. And each one, I think specifically Adrian Brody, right? It's a little bit of, like, a showbiz trivia. <laughs> like, he, he, had, um, he had been expecting, I think, everyone around because they had shot so much with him. And then when it premieres, it's like, whoa, he was hardly in the movie. So, yeah, it was nothing. So, okay, you're going with that. Just because the product, that's it. Yeah, but we t- haven't even seen these four other movies. We don't know how great those are. You're right. Dude, Terrence Malick, step your game up. We want to see them. Uh, maybe, maybe then I can make a uh, proper decision. I'm going to go with a, a, a kind of compromise. I get where you're coming from, but like just on pure numbers, I think the cast of Thin Red Line is just a lot more beastier and a lot more. Are you discrediting Vin Diesel? <laughs> Dominic Toretto? No, that's funny. Okay, okay, cool. We talked about the cast. We talked about the crew. But the most important thing and the reason why this is called Movies We Were Way Too Young to See is, Malv, how old were you when you first saw this movie? My God, this, I remember this. I have horrible memory, just to let the audience know. My memory is really bad. But one thing always helps me remember, and that is trauma. (laughs) (laughs) And I had some trauma while I was watching this movie. I'm laughing, (laughs) but I know how painful it was. And it definitely happened during the beach scene. So I'm going to give you guys just a little, like, you know, run up onto where I'm at. But I used to go to movies all the time with my mom. My dad would never go or never take me, or he would come once in a while. But one thing he did love to do was take me to go see war movies. Like, no matter what. So i seen, like, a lot of the old ones before, like, Torah, 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 and Midway when they had, like, re-releases back in AMC days. Um, I know this one for a fact. We saw at the Pacific Theater near my house. It used to be. Now it's not even there anymore. Arclight. It's Arclight now they took over. But, yeah, I just remember my dad was like, we got to go see this movie. So we saw it Saturday because Sunday was church, and he could he always had to go to church. So during the movie, we go see it, and then the war, like the beach scene happens. We're already fronting. I'm like already freaking out. I was like, oh my God, what is this? This is so much blood and violence. I couldn't comprehend. I was like, is this what war is? And then during one scene where a soldier is holding his guts in, and out of nowhere, he just yells, Mama! Mama! And I was just like, oh my God. And then my dad just like taps me, looks down. He's like, that would be you if you were in war. Oh and my I, gosh. I just look up and I go, what? And, I, and then he just turns back and I like, I remember just being freaked out of my head. I was like, that would be me. I love my mom. Like, I, I would say that. <laughs> oh my God. And you were eight. You were nine? Uh, eight years old. My so 98. Goodness. That's right on my time. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez Louise, what a crazy story, right? <laughs> I'm glad it stuck with you. Mine was not as traumatic, but that infamous mama scene, 
everyone, when you talk to everyone on the on the, the playground, right? When we talked to everyone in class, like that was what the scene that they remembered the most. All the kids, all the dudes. Oh, did you see Saving Private Ryan? Remember that one scene? Oh my gosh. So yes, it was definitely traumatizing. I saw it at my house. It was finally when it came at the library because I'm a hashtag library boy. Uh, yeah, we checked it out, we rented it, and I saw it one weekend. And I think it took me like three different viewings, but I always remember this the first time because yeah. it was so impactful. That one mama scene really just freaked me out. Another one that really just tripped me out too is they're actually storming the beach. So now after Tom Hanks and company have landed and they're at the like dunes where the barricades are, you think the dude gets shot in the head because you're looking at him. Oh, yeah. You're looking at the helmet and it looks like, oh, my God, he just got shot in the head. And he takes it off. He's like, oh, my gosh. He takes off his helmet and he's unprotected. And then this other guy's like, oh, you lucky. And then <laughs> yep. Oh. You hear the shot, and then he just gets killed right there. It's like, oh my gosh, uh, that really tripped me out. It's like he was gonna, he was supposed to live. He was supposed. I was just freaking out. Mama was scary as hell to me oh, too. Yeah. But yeah, I think that one just like he, oh, you always always keep your stuff on, dude. Yeah, helmet always keep your helmet. And that's why I love side another side quest. That's why I love being called helmet as a kid. And I was like, yes, I'd rather have a helmet than no helmet. Damn. So. <clears throat> well, it's good to hear that you were also traumatized, and, <laughs> you know, like, and this is definitely a movie I would recommend if you guys have kids to not show, even though it's a historical film and it's wait big. until they're like 15 or 16. Yeah, I think it, you would appreciate it a lot more, but it's still like mind blowing once you see it for the first time, I think at no matter what age. Because when I was doing my research, I heard that even old veterans were having flashbacks during the movie. This is one of those movies where I. When I was rewatching it, I was like, man, I have the DVD version. And I was like, oh, man, I need to buy the Blu-ray version. I need it because I have like a cool surround sound mm-hmm. in my room. Oh, that'd be so sick to, to fully experience it there. But the cinematography really just puts you in that first-person point of view. I'm scared. I don't I, Like, it's shaky. It's so sick. No, and I love that. And we have to, like, commend Spielberg and uh, Kaminsky, the cinematographer, because they've been working since Schindler's List and – He's been, they've been doing it up. They've for, been collabing since soon. Since then, you know, and it's crazy. Just a little bit of trivia that Kaminsky also won uh, Best Cinematography for this film, Saving Private Ryan and Schindler's List. And before we even got into talking about this off the air, I told Mowgli, I had a little theory because Schindler's List is one of my favorite movies. And then there's one sequence in there. That's when the Nazis actually invade the ghetto. And it goes into like this really crazy, more documentarian style. And I always thought that there was a connection between that and this scene at the Omaha Beach. And while doing my research, it was like, yep, the, the cinematographer was there and they kind of implemented the same ideas. Kind of what Mowgli said with the new lenses. They wanted to make sure to get like, you know, that gritty, real feel. You know, they didn't want old school Hollywood hero movies, you know, where it was kind of bright still, you know. No, they wanted gritty, dark. It was fucked up. Like this earth was, muted tones. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a lot of earth-muted tones. And then one thing uh, Kaminsky and Spielberg did on this was to emulate that war scene that they really wanted to get a shaky handheld. And that's why you get so immersed into it right when you land on the beach because a lot of it is just a point of view from the camera. The camera, the it could be anybody's point of view. It's you, the audience member, and that's why Spielberg is so good, you know, like... How cool was that, though, to watch that in the theater with all those sound effects? I was dying, yo. Like, it it gave me, like, uh, you have to watch these movies in theaters, you know? Like, that's why the only reason why I hated the the quarantine, I had to go through and watch Tenet 
I had to go oh, during it. Oh, of course. Are you kidding me? Christopher he, Nolan is all about that experience. Well, I hate people who don't really watch movies. I'm like, I could watch this at home. Like, no, you can't, fool. You don't have a sound system like this. Like, your sound system is not designed the same way that they've designed it, especially now in modern times where directors are really pinpointing where sounds are going to be hitting and where you're going to hear them from. And, like, one thing I didn't even notice while rewatching it again was this whole 22-minute sequence, there is no music. And that is why the sound people won that Oscar because somehow you're still, you're, the, the war is music, you know? It's this horrifying music that keeps you in it, keeps you tense. A you know? cacophony of violence. <laughs> I like it, I like it, yeah, you know? And, like, they do it with, like, random natural sounds that you wouldn't even feel would give you, like, that tension. Like, when at the beginning, once it hits the well, boat, you hear the waves, you know, like, hitting the boat. Those explosions... That gunfire. One other thing, too, that we were mentioning with the sound, Tom Hanks's point of view, his perspective, with that lack of sound, and that kind of just puts you in that, oh, it looks like a flash grenade just went off, and it's just like everything is ringing. I love that, you know, like when the sound just gets muted, and you know exactly where he is, you know, and there are other parts in this scene that I really love where you hear Tom Hanks breathing really loud. You feel like that's you running with him. You know, you hear that. Yeah. Go Going back to that scene, though, like Tom Hanks is the captain of this mission. And while he's kind of in a daze, one of the privates is like, what the hell do we do now, sir? And you just read his lips, but you can't see it until he finally snaps back to reality. Shout out to Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> Don't lose yourself. Right. <laughs> but yes, going back to the actual film and the lack of the sound, it was just as important. It was really cool. Rewatching it, I didn't even notice that there was no music, but like you really heard like the gunshots like whizzing by, you know, by your ear. And like it immersed you into that. Like Spielberg is trying to recreate the war as much as he can. That's why I kind of like what Spielberg's been doing, you know, in this movie and in his other films. It's just because he's been influenced by this because I I didn't even know that his father was in World War II. And in his childhood, his father would just be telling him stories of how he used to fight. And I'm pretty sure little Steven was there like, oh, my God, this is great, you know. Oy vey. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and then like that just like evolves because he said that his major influence in making this movie, especially this scene, you can see it are the old World War II newsreels, like the actual ones. You know, that we all used to watch in history class and history on history TV, you know, that was Steven Spielberg's idea. He's like, I want to recreate this, but in a film art aspect. And I think he just he aced it. You know, there's not that many scenes. The whole war team, scenes. man, the whole team. They did a good job. Yeah. You know, and like, it's just what what do you do? Like, how do you do this? How do you like do a whole 20 minute fight scene, essentially? But it still says so much, right? Like, you know, a lot about. Tom Hanks's character without him really revealing his past or anything. You see him nervous at the beginning, right? Like any man would be like before war, like just shaking there, trying to, you know, calm himself. And then you see him where he's a little bit shell-shocked. That's where I call it, where he was deaf. You know, he's a little shell-shocked, but he's like, fuck, where am I? Shit, I'm in this fucking war. And you see him looking around. And that was always tripped me out when it went to the slow-mo. And then you see in like the background, you see the guy who's on in flames, and then, like, you, he's churning, and then, like, the blood splatters on his face because something else blew up by him that you don't see. And then you're just like, oh, my God, he looks unprepared. But once he gets closer to the beachfront, 
Like, you see him change into that captain. You know, he's telling everybody, like, hey, we got to do this. Throw the bombs in there. You know, shoot up there. You know, we got to go. Imagine actually having to do that oh, in real yeah. life. No, and that's giving mad respect to all these veterans, you know? Like, this is just a glimpse of what war is like. I'm pretty sure it's not what we imagine at all. You know, there's more emotions to it than what we're seeing. But damn, Spielberg did a great job because there are parts in it where I feel like this is a documentary. Like there are so many behind the back camera views going with the soldiers that it just puts you fully immersed. And while this you're like still a little bit scared for these guys, even though, you know, the ending, we come out winning. But it just looks at first like, you know, it's going to be a death toll, like everybody's going to die. Were you able to find any cool information about the behind the scenes, the planning, the logistics on on the setup of this shot? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they couldn't actually film on the Omaha Beach because it's, you know, a historical site now. Yep. But they found another beach, I think in like Norway or something, that was very similar. And they had to build all the set around the beach. So where you guys see the Nazi campment where they're out there with their guns and stuff, they had to build all of that. And one thing I found interesting is the one scene where Tom Hanks and his uh, squad finally are on the beach and run towards the camera and you see them, all those squibs there and squibs are usually just the explosions. Like, you know, they'll either place them on the ground to show a big one to show like a fucking gunshot there or a bomb. And the th- the behind the scenes footage were saying that they only had two chances to film that because it was so tedious because remember they're putting squibs in the background of that. You don't even notice you know, so they only had enough time to prep and money to not money because it's Spielberg. He would get it anyways if he needed it. <laughs> they would find it's a true. way. It's true, you know. It's very but, time consuming. Yeah, I bet, it's though. very time consuming. That's what he said because you remember they brought in the sand, bro. They brought yeah. in the sand. They brought all this. So like they had two fucking takes to do it, and look what they did. Fucking amazing. Two takes, yes, but you know? practice. I know Alan Iverson ain't talking about practice. <laughs> Right? Rehearsals. <laughs> right. Rehearsals. <laughs> we talk about rehearsals. <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, but, but, no, but what I love about this scene, like I said, it just like that character that we brought about Tom Hanks, it just encapsulates the story and it puts you into the World War II mindset. You know, like you, you as the audience are ready for this trip. You want to see if these guys complete their mission. Do they find Ryan safely? Because after this first battle, you're like, I don't think this this mission looks like a suicide mission. You know, like there's no way these guys are going to make it. When I'm rewatching this, I think what I'm thinking is, wow, it feels like I'm a bit more desensitized to it. So I was like, oh, my goodness, that's actually very, very terrible. So all of the video games and all of this stuff that I've been playing, it's just kind of like. Put me in a little bit of a, like a headspace. I was like, no, 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 no. This is still pretty graphic. <laughs> well, I'm surprised. You th- I still think that it was very graphic. And I've seen this movie a whole bunch of times. And especially this scene, like, it still gets me. It's raw. It's a raw scene, bro. But like you said, this scene, this whole movie, what you're talking about, like, being desensitized in video games, that's funny because Spielberg actually had his ties in that and all the I video know. games we love now, you know? I know. And that's what I wanted to bring yeah. up, too. I had a cool little side quest. Shout out to Vinny. I think Vinny gave me uh, EB Games. If you guys don't know what EB Games was, it was, it was GameStop before GameStop. <laughs> Should have jumped on that. Right. Stonks. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I picked up Medal of Honor Frontline, and then that whole first... This was like in eighth grade as well. So I remember playing it on the PS2, and I played it the whole weekend, and I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Like, I just remember it's like... No, it was a great game. And I'm going to take this from Den Geek. These are not my words at all, but... Because Spielberg actually helped with the Medal of Honor series, it actually started when Spielberg was making Saving Private Ryan, but he saw his son playing Goldeneye on the N64. And because Spielberg is such a 
history head. That's why he loves World War II so much that he thought to himself, like, man, why don't we make like a World War II game for kids? That will teach him about World War II. Shut up and take my money. Obviously. He stays visionary, yeah, he stays, dude. Well, he, he stays, does, you know, dude. and he's like, I love that. And the thing is, you see a lot of the things he brought into it because the whole Omaha scene is essentially what made Medal of Honor. Like, they recreated some scene, like some video game, um, some concept, proof of concept in some video games that they used from the Jurassic Park game that they did just to show how the war would look and how a battle would look. And obviously, if Spielberg's throwing something, they're going to, like, okay, we'll green light that. You want that? It's like, yeah. And then that's where you saw the influence of Saving Private Ryan and not only Medal of Honor because it's a direct link, but in Call of Duty now, which is one of the biggest fucking games in the world, you know, one thing, like, the breathing and getting your energy back, you know, that hardcore breathing you hear in both Medal of Honor and Call of Duty, like, <sighs> even when you're running, you know, when you're holding the stick down here. Oh, I know. You know, that's all from fucking Saving Private Ryan. You know, even just the visual element, like, you brought up, like, the purple and the dark greens, like, that grittiness, even the grittiness of the storylines and seeing people actually get shot and seeing the blood, that's all Saving Private Ryan, bro. And then this is just video games, you know, I'm bringing up, uh, what is it, like, before Saving Private Ryan, like, there were... Oh, yeah, what we were talking about. <laughs> yeah. You say it, say it, say it. That's so funny. Yeah, so, like, this is how legacy, like, legit and legendary this movie is, that they're... I'm going to coin it, uh, what was it, uh, P... Uh, it was P-R and A-R. P-R, Pre-Ryan and after Ryan, right? This, That's how epic this movie was, right? Yeah, this movie, this style, you know, from Spielberg, from Kaminsky, the cinematographer, what they made, uh, helped make together revolutionize this shit because before this yeah i seen movies like torah 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 midway the classic ones but there was still that hokiness hollywood 50s charm you know like hollywood charm where you're just like it's uh, i know it's a real subject matter but it doesn't feel real you know and i i feel that it wasn't until spielberg dropped this shit and malik too at the same time that it was just like oh we could make serious war movies it's like yeah, you should make serious war movies. Wars are fucked up. Like, you know, like, yeah. why Why would you want a cookie cutter, like, fucking, you know, I don't know, gung-ho nice movie, you know? Like 1950s gung-ho, like. With Technicolor. Like, yeah, I totally with see Technicolor. It. Yeah. This is not that movie. <laughs> no, this is not, you know, but even this, they use the colors well. Like, you see, those reds are hard, you know? Like, when you see people bleeding, those are, like, some bright, bright reds. And, uh. That's what I'm saying, too. Like, there, it's after Ryan because movies today, Dunkirk, it totally reminds me of Saving Private Ryan. Um, 1917, you know, uh, those feel the same way. And I think Spielberg created that style that everybody's like, that's the World War II style. No, you can't really you can't really go off of it because even after he did this, he made sure to keep the style with Band of Brothers and then hitting it with the Pacific. And he's always been a World War II guy. Oh, yeah, no. Like, that's his he, thing. That's his thing. And, uh, well, even talking about it, too, people don't think TV, and you brought it up to me. I didn't even see it, but I found, like, confirmation on uh, Game of Thrones took inspiration from Saving Private Ryan, a movie or a show you wouldn't think would steal from a World War II movie. Inspiration is from everywhere. Right? Right. And that's why we Stay love this learning. movie. Look how it is. <laughs> you wouldn't think that this movie would inspire a guy who directs a fantasy show but it was like no i was directly influenced by this sequence you know he's the director himself said um who was it matt shakeman the director who directed a couple of the episodes matt shakeman. <laughs> so good. <laughs> it's so good but yeah he just 
He just talks about how much he loved that scene, and he was like, I need to do that with fire and dragons, you know? And it's like, yes, you do. (laughs) (laughs) And he did. Wow, ladies and gentlemen, that is only the first 23 minutes of the movie. That's all we had time for. We're telling you, we wanted to get into it way more. We just wanted to contain it. I still got more to talk about. We've got plenty (laughs) more to talk about. You know how hard this is? Do you know how many lab sessions we've had? Um, But yes, this is part one. Episode two will be out sooner rather than later. (laughs) Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. We're a little backed up and it's basketball time. But remember, for basketball and movies, there's one place to go. It's Malvin Mowgli's podcast show. Questions, comments, anything like that, feel free to email us at malvinmowgli at gmail.com. Please subscribe to wherever you listen to your podcast. If you listen on Apple, kindly rate us five stars. We would appreciate that. One more thing. Follow us on social media, will you? At malv underscore n underscore mowgli. Anything else, Malv? Yeah, I want to give a shout out to the veterans past and serving now. I want to thank you guys in the, you know, even though this movie only just showed us a brief of what you guys do, like we respect you guys and all you do. Definitely, definitely echo that sentiment. Stay tuned for episode two.